feel a little bit like a lottery winner because I didn't do it. It wasn't really on purpose. It was just maybe a lot of good decisions along the way, but of course I didn't know it would end up like this. And it wasn't really, I've never really had, you know, the really, really long-term vision. Now I estimate that Curl runs in roughly 10 billion installations. That's a lot. That's like, we have like two and a half installation per internet user on the globe. That's Daniel Stenberg, maintainer of Curl. And this is the Readme Podcast, a podcast that takes a peek behind the curtain at some of the most impactful open source projects and the developers who make them happen. I'm B. Dougie, a.k.a. Brian Douglas. And I'm Kathy Korvac. Every episode, Kathy and I invite a maintainer or open source developer into our studio to explore their work, their story, and where the two meet. In this episode, we speak with Daniel, who has been maintaining Curl for a quarter of a century, witnessing its astronomical growth and allowing it to evolve over time. Simply put, Curl is a command line tool for transferring data and its name stands for Client URL. It works on any platform, and because of that, it's used in billions of installations. Daniel works on it full-time, and despite his many years of commitment to the project, he still finds great inspiration within it and doesn't really want to be doing anything else. In this conversation, we explore how Daniel first discovered open source, the way he came to maintain Curl, and how he balances it all. Daniel is a hero of mine, and here he shares the story of his first time coming into contact with code. My first computer experiences was back in the mid-80s. I had a friend in my class at school who had a Commodore 64. Well, I got to know and visited many times. You're youngsters, you don't remember that, but we had computer magazines with, you know, a lot of lines with just data and numbers. Number, comma, number, comma, number, comma, number, comma, number, you know, pages up and page down. You had to enter them yourself. And back then, when you ran it, it would be a boring game or something. But I did that in my teens. And did that lead to eventually studying programming in school? That led to a very keen interest in computers. So I got myself a computer and then started programming uh, like a maniac in my teens, continued then. So then, no, I I never studied computers or engineering or anything. I got a job after I did my military service here in Sweden. And then I never, as I said, I didn't have to study. I just got a job and another job and another job and just went from that. Were those always in computers and programming, or did you kind of bounce around? No. Well, my first, I got a job at IBM uh, when I was 20. And then it wasn't programming, but it was computers. So they were uh, Unix systems that needed to set up and configuration when they arrived here. And then, so they got here, we configured them, and they were shipped up to customers. So started out that and learned Unix and stuff like that. But after that, I got into development job and since then I've been a developer. And what was the the year when the uh, you sort of transitioned to doing development? That was 1993. Okay. A long time ago. But still still early web. I think once the web sort of got into a lot of our houses at that point. Yeah, uh, yes, it had started to to show up. And then from there, just tinkering around and playing with demos and things like that, how did you get involved with open source? When I started working at IBM uh, in 1991, when I started working to configure those machines and shipping them out to computers, I also soon realized that you could also get tapes with a lot of source code and tools that came with source code. There were a lot of GNU tools and stuff that I, I don't exactly remember how they got them, but you could actually get them on tape so that some customers actually got them. And at that time, I sort of, it dawned on me that 
that's a lot of code out there that you could just, you know, get it and look at it, compile it, build it, and do whatever you want with it and learn from it. And that's one way I learned C programming at that time. So I, I understood and knew about the concept about a lot of free code. It wasn't called open source, of course, that early, but still a lot of code was there. So I wanted